Speak the charm of make charm of make charm. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast, exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. podcast listeners. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologer Ryan Butler. We're going to be discussing aspects and where they come from. We're going to talk a little bit about Greek optical theories, and then finally we're going to talk a little bit about electional astrology, which is used for talismans. But before we get into the episode, I want to tell you some exciting news. Uh, Arnamancy Podcast will having be having its first live podcast recording on Friday, September 13th, 2019 at 7 p.m. at the Rose City Book Pub in Portland, Oregon. I'm going to be interviewing Coleman Stevenson of The Dark Exact. She's an artist and an author and has created a number of tarot decks. She's really cool. I think it's going to be really fun. It's uh, going to be a free event. There's not going to be any admission or cover fees. And there will be a link with more information in the show notes. Finally, I just want to remind you that you can support the Arnamancy podcast on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You get other goodies along with uh, supporting the podcast, such as early access to podcast episodes, early access to blog posts, maybe some other stuff like my private Patreon feed. You should definitely go check it out. And there's a link to that in the show notes as well. I bet you never guessed that. All right, now on to our regularly scheduled content. Hey there, Arnamancers. This is Alex from the AlexCast, and I want to tell you that I have a brand new book out called The Terravada Machine and Other Stories. It is available on Amazon.com, so if you go to Amazon and search for Alex Bolin, Alex for two X's, or you go to AlexBolin.com, A-L-E-X-X-B-O-L-L-E-N, or you can pop over to the AlexCast and listen to Eric and I talk about it, which happened on the last episode. Thank you very much. Bye. Welcome back to the Arnamancy podcast. I am here today with astrologer Ryan Butler. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Eric. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you too. I, uh, I We were just chatting before we started recording about um, Ryan's astrology classes that are that are pretty cool. So if you want to like plug them now, just in case. <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so I've got, um, I kind of divided up by season and right now, uh, next Wednesday or maybe not next Wednesday when this comes out. Um, but the, the 24th, um, we'll start them off and I'm doing the, the seeds and stars class, which is about the connection between astrology and herbalism and how those two systems work together to make a functional medical and magical system. So, you know, really, really beginner level stuff there. Um, and then after that, I'm doing, um, temperament, which I divided into two classes. Uh, so if you kind of want a basic introduction to a really solid uh, medical astrology, that's really good to take. Um, and then, oh, astronomy for astrologers uh, is after that. And that's another two part. Just trying to take down or trying to take and break down the um, um, the ob- uh, the observational astronomy behind different astrological things, so mm-hmm. that when you look at a birth chart, you know, like, oh, this is this astronomical thing. That's what that's about. 
And then finally, the new one, I try to do like one new class each uh, season semester. And the new one for this one is uh, A Million Points of Light. And it's about, um, it's kind of a one-on-one on astrological magic. And we'll see just how one-on-one I end up keeping that because I have ideas. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, so that's what's happening for me this season. And then um, who knows what's going to happen in fall. Cool. That's exciting. Uh, I think every single one of those classes sounds pretty fascinating. The Seeds and Stars one, like I immediately just thought of like book one of Agrippa, which is he doesn't necessarily go into the like astrological um, like inspiration or reasons behind all this stuff. But, you know, he's got the whole catalogs of like, if you want yeah, to yeah. do plants associated with Jupiter, they are this and this and this. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that'll be pretty interesting. And then the astronomy for astrologers, I always like anytime somebody asks me about astrology, I'm always sort of like, you know, the first thing you got to do is look up. You know, if you don't, yeah. If you don't actually sit out there and stare at the sky and see this mm-hmm. stuff, you're, you know, it's yeah. never going to make that much sense. And even then, if you can't, you know, if you live in a place where you know light pollution is just so bad that you can't, um, even just like taking a spin through like planetarium software that's available, mm-hmm. like just very briefly helps you get like a sense of what's happening around you. Yeah. So if you can't get it because you're in the city. Technology can still help. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, I think most cities, even though the light pollution can be pretty bad, you're still going to be able to see most yeah, of the planets. Can, and yeah, the, the planets and the biggest like Sirius, fix. Canopus, like mm-hmm. some of the really bright ones you'll still be able to make heads or tails of. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Uh, actually, it kind of makes it a little easier in some sense. <laughs> yeah, because you have less things to look at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know I live uh, I live pretty much right in the middle of Portland, and our light pollution isn't that bad because we're not a huge city. Um, but you still can't see th- you know, you still can't see shit, but I, I, I love looking up at the night sky and then I go out camping and I look up at the night sky and I'm just yeah. like, crap, I'm lost. Can't see <laughs> it. Can't, can't recognize anything. Uh, so that's cool. Okay. So, um, obviously I've brought you on here to talk about astrology. I, I, you know, I was thinking about bringing you on here to talk about like animal husbandry or something like that, but I thought astrology <laughs> okay, would okay, be. Okay, but wait, I can do, I can talk about raising cats. So let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I got that covered. Yeah. I'm here for your cat team. All right. Yes. Well, you know, we'll get it in this in part two. Part two of this podcast yeah. is <laughs> cat husbandry, astrology, and cats. Um, so uh, I've been studying astrology for a little while, not as uh, long nor as intensely as you. And um, uh, your level of knowledge is like incredibly. Oh, stop! Appreciated. It's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Appreciate. Um, and I thought we would talk about aspects today, primarily okay. because as I started to get more and more into aspects, uh, some of it made sense and some of it made less sense. And I thought uh, talking to an expert would be a better idea than just staring at a chart in a book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and it's it's kind of one of those things where like um nothing in astrology can really be easy or simple. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'll learn as- I'll learn about aspects really fast. And then you can and like you can, you can learn like functionally, you can get like a sense of what aspects do and what they are, but there's always like a historical backstory for everything in astrology. And on the one hand, if you're like me, like that's really fascinating. That's, you know, like okay, well let's get to the bottom of this. Why is this? How is this? Where did this come from? That kind of thing. Um, but if you're not like me, then it can be just kind of really intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, like to me, it's a lot like getting into like some sort of like series, like some sort of like TV show or something. Mm-hmm. And then finding out that there's like this backlog of like other shows that you should watch that like, you know, that it builds off of or like other, you know, books or other media and things like that. And it's just mm-hmm. like, 
can I just enjoy that TV show or do I need to go and do all these things? And <laughs> with astrology, you definitely need to go and do all those things. Yeah. Or you need somebody else to do it for you or someone else to do it for you. That's, that's an option. That's not yeah. a bad option. You right, know, like right. there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Um, cause not everybody necessarily needs to know all of it, but yeah. Yeah. Not everybody needs to know like William Lilly's name or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just sort of like a, I guess a larger conversation about, um, I don't know, accessibility or like what, not necessarily accessibility, but just like how into astrology are you as an individual going to be? And that's fine. Whatever, whatever you decide to do, you know, hobbyist or, you know, extreme sportsman of astrology and anywhere in between. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I I think about this a lot because, you know, there, especially if you spend time on Twitter talking to astrologers, or if you look around at some of the like big names in astrology, they really have encyclopedic levels of knowledge. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, you know, most of the astrology that I'm interested in is sort of electional stuff for mm-hmm. astrological magic. So mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to have, or at least I haven't felt the drive to collect all of the, you know, like natal astrology stuff. And yeah, you know, even sure. though, even though it all ties together, like how complicated mm-hmm. do, does it always need to be? Right. So, yeah. It's always, get in, get what you need, and get out. Yeah, yeah. But that, <laughs> but that rabbit hole is always there. Oh, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's there's, there's probably a rabbit in the sky, too, isn't there? Is there a rabbit asterism? I can't even remember. I don't know. I know that the you know the, the moon rabbit from Asian folklore. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. So so aspects. What What is an aspect? So, oh, and actually there is a rabbit constellation now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking there was. I just can't remember where. Um, I can't either. It's yeah. not one of the important ones. Um, so, okay. So what is an aspect? An aspect is basically just, I guess, functionally an aspect is how two planets interact with one another. That's kind of functionally what they are. Um, but to get more technical and kind of mechanical, um, an aspect is basically just like a geometric relationship between two points in a chart and it's primarily expressed through planets. So it's usually two planets in a chart. So basically the idea is that uh, you probably learned in geometry that a circle is 360 degrees mm-hmm. and, um, you know, planets are going to be the, the circle is, is a chart, like an, an astrology chart kind of takes that, that circular form uh, because the sky is a circle um, when viewed from earth. And um, so because the circle is 360 degrees, planets are going to be kind of spattered all around it, but planets can form um, kind of like smaller angles or relationships to one another. So like the circle might be 360 degrees, but say you have Mars and Mercury and they're like 90 degrees apart. Well, that's a specific sort of relationship that they have because of being that far apart. So it's like this, this larger circle is kind of like divided into um, smaller. Like wedges of pie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. And then planets um, kind of treat each other differently based on how they fall in respect to one another. And so here's the thing that, that I thought was really interesting is that like when I first learned the aspects, you just sort of learn them as, you know, you know, 30 degrees is this and it's good. 60 degrees is this and it's good. 90 degrees is bad. And you're sort of like, but, and, and I didn't even think about, but why? Because a lot of times Mm -hmm. when you're just looking at astrology, the whole thing is just sort of a giant, but why? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so it was, interesting you know when we first uh talked about this you you brought up like greek optical theories <laughs> which it turns yeah. out are kind of behind that aren't they yeah uh n- 
not necessarily behind the the bad and good and why, like the qualitative part of it, um, but they're more just like a thing. They're really more, the Greek optical theories are really more of an explanation of why some degrees or like some aspects are aspects and other aspects are not aspects. Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> well, not. maybe not. Can you, can you, well, yeah. so first of all, like, the, are, are, we're talking about the theory of, um, sight being a projection yeah. instead of a reception. Right? Um, yes and no. Um, but more just based off of like how the human eye functions mm-hmm. as a part of that. Okay. So, okay. So let's back up. Um, so in, in classical astrologies in historical astrologies, there are, um, five main aspects. Um, and they're kind of based off of, to an extent, um, equal divisions of the zodiac signs themselves. Okay. So it's not, we're not dividing 360 degrees per se, but we're dividing 12 mm. into numbers. So like, if you take, if you assume that like the, the zodiac circle is made up of 12 segments, which it is, that's, that's literally the zodiac. Um, and you divide it by one, then that's your conjunction, like a planet, like two planets in the same sign. Okay. Uh, but then you take that 360 and those 12 and you divide it by two, you get six. But six signs is 180 degrees. So you take 360 divided by two and you get 180. That's your opposition. Um, so it's just kind of like this, this continual division um, by of numbers by 12 and then related back to zodiac signs maybe a better way to, to phrase it is like so you have your 12 signs and you divide that by three mm-hmm. so you move so like we'll say aries and you move three signs forward in the zodiac and you land on cancer right and that's 90 degrees okay. that you've gone through so that's why squares are 90 degrees um but they're so they're just kind of that division but um in the tradition there are only um, five that are that are counted as like real aspects and that's the opposition which is the division of the circle by two um, the square which is a division of the circle by four a trine by three a sextile by six um, and then you have your conjunction which is a division by one more or less mm-hmm. um, and they have their their own inherent meanings and that's fine but what you end up doing is if you like lay that out and you kind of like shade in signs and things like that around, you'll notice that you have some that are missing that don't get aspects. Okay. So like, there's not like you have a, so like one that gets left out is if you say that the conjunction is zero degrees, the trine is 60, the square is 90. Um, the trine is 120. I think I said trine was 60 when I meant to say sextile was 60. <laughs> um, the trine is 120 and the opposition is 180. Well, then you leave out 30 and 150. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, why don't those count? And it's like, oh, Greek optical theories, that's why. Um, and this is kind of one of those those explanations to where why the 30 degree, the semi-sextile, what eventually becomes called that, and why 150, the quincunx or in conjunction, are considered not aspects or just like otherwise viewed as an other kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it has to do with um, how the human eye sees its surroundings. Okay. Um, because we actually have blind spots, like our peripheral vision um, is not very good. <laughs> and then hundred, then roughly 150 degrees from the eye, we have another blind spot. And there are actually a lot of really fun things on the, like on the internet you can go to and you can like experience that. Um, like the Wikipedia page for uh, Lacuna, I think, 
which is just the word for like a, a blind spot, has like a fun little exercise you can do um, to where like if you cover an eye and you look at this X, you can't like you lose vision on uh, the second X on the screen. And the position of the second X isn't like directly in front of you, but it's like slightly to the left. Mm. And so it's like, you know, directly in front of you, that's the opposition aspect. Basically, that's like 180 degrees. Like if two planets were directly apart from one another, like facing each other across the circle, they'd be about 180 degrees apart. But if you had a planet that was like slightly to the right, well, that's closer to like the 150 degrees, just kind of like one sign over. And so it's like, yeah, it's a blind spot for that planet. So it's like the planets in some sense take on some sign of like an analogy with like a divine eye. And since... Our human eyes have a blind spot there. Then the divine eyes of the planets also have like vision, like areas of obscurity that they can't see very well in those same places. So that's why those aspects don't get talked about a lot. Or if they are ever talked about, they're classified as like an aversion. So literally an ability to see. And that's like Greek optical theories. Yay. (laughs) That's Uh, bizarre. I never thought of that. I never, I never knew that. Uh, Okay. So that's why sometimes. Well, I mean, that's why sometimes you just, like, don't want Saturn aspecting the moon or, you know, oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, that's that's cool. I um, all right, so then... Well, that's also why you hear things like, um, you know, when you're you know, taking it back to your interest in, like, electional astrology, when they're like, hey, if you have a malefic planet, put it in the sixth house. Well, if a planet's in the sixth house, it can't aspect the ascendant. Yeah. Because they have that, they have that five sign apart relationship usually, mm-hmm. um, to where it can't get in the way. So that's why they're like, just stuff it here or in the twelfth house where it has a similar, like it's it has a similar that thirty degree peripheral mm-hmm. inability to get involved. So that's where that comes oh, from. That's fascinating. I really did not know that at all. Okay, so then, um, why are some aspects considered good and some bad? So this leads us to <laughs> another fun thing. Um, and I might actually have to write this down as I talk about it because it gets okay. a little weird. So um, um, there are kind of two historical ideas about where aspects get their nature from. Um, and this, so, okay. So tip let's maybe let's go okay. this way. So kind of traditionally you have your good aspects are going to be your sextile of 60 degrees apart. Mm-hmm. And then your trine of 120 degrees apart. So obviously, if the 60 is good, then double the 60. 120 is also going to yeah, be yeah, good. Okay. Like that, that makes sense. Um, and then your bad aspects, your more complicated, dangerous aspects, are your square, which is 90 degrees, and then your opposition, which is 180 degrees, and kind of following the same logic. Like if 60 was good, 120 is good also because it's two 60s. Um, 90 is bad, then 180, the opposition, is also bad because it's two mm-hmm. 90s. So you kind of have the same um, idea. But then your fifth aspect, and for this one you can get kind of pedantic because the conjunction isn't really ever talked about as an aspect. Um, aspects are usually talked about more like vision, like seeing something else, because we're going back to that idea of the planets being eyes of the divine and their lights and being able to see one another. So conjunctions aren't really like a planet seeing another planet. They're kind of like being on top of each other. So there's like a bodily thing involved. Mm -hmm. So they're not technically aspects, but like whatever they're aspects. It's fine. Um, but the conjunction, because it's more of like a blending is a bit more neutral, inherently and it's more about like well who's involved who are we blending with and 
that kind of thing. So it's okay. it's okay. a little bit harder to be like conjunctions are bad, but it's just like conjunctions with Saturn are bad. <laughs> conjunctions with Jupiter are good. Like it's more with that kind okay. of thing. Who's involved? Um, but so we have, um, so that's kind of our classification of aspects. Trines and uh, sextiles, good. Squares and oppositions, bad. Uh, but there are two different ideas behind why that is historically, and one of them is right, is how I'm okay. going to say it. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. okay, g- give us so both our... of them, and then I'll guess at which one is right. <laughs> okay, okay, we can do it that okay. way. So, one of them is based off of the elemental qualities of the signs involved, and this is one that is um, talked about by Ptolemy actually in his tetrabiblos so first century ad and his idea is basically that sextiles and trines are good because the signs that aspect that aspect each other by those um aspects have a quality in common so like aries and gemini are in a sextile aspect mm-hmm. aries is a fire sign oh and then you have to learn oh my gosh this is this is just ridiculous. So not only for aspects, you have to learn Greek optical theories. We have to learn Greek elemental theories too, because it's oh, fine. It. Everybody never knows stopped. Greek elemental theories, right? We, <laughs> we, got, we, got we the never dries and the colds uh, and the moists. And the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the hot. But yeah, that's what we're getting into yeah. now. So Aries is a fire sign. So it's hot and dry because fire is hot and dry. Um, and then Gemini is an air sign, which is hot and wet because that's what air is. Um, but because they share the heat quality, they have a similitude with each right, other. Right, so sextiles, okay. sextiles are good because they connect planets. Or I'm sorry, huh? They connect signs that share that 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 share Some a quality. quality elements, so like, okay. you know, yeah. So on the other side of that, you know, Aries not only sextiles Gemini, but also sextiles Aquarius, another air sign which is hot and wet too. So they have so all across the mm-hmm. board, you have a similitude with heat. And then the same with you know, if you sextiled from Taurus. You would go to Pisces, a water sign, which is cold and wet, or Cancer, another water sign, which is cold and wet. Taurus is an earth sign, which is cold and dry. So you have that connection by coldness. Yeah. So sextiles are good. Okay. Um, trines are good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> trines are good um, because they do that, what the sextile does, but better. Because it's the same element. Because uh, it? yeah. it's the right. same element. Okay. Yes. Um uh, so trines, you know, if if you have a trine from Aries, you're trining to either Leo or Sagittarius, and those are all fire right. signs. So not only are they alike in heat, but also in dryness. So they're they're the exact same. So trines are are even better. Um, and then <laughs> you get to squares and oppositions. Okay. Uh, so for squares, Ptolemy says, okay. So if I have Aries, one of my squares is going to Cancer. Aries is hot and dry fire sign. Cancer is cold and wet water sign. That's not no agreement. Good. Yeah. yeah. No agreement. Okay. Then if I go the other way, I get to Capricorn, which is cold and dry. And Aries is hot and dry. So hot and cold don't so get along. We're disag- yeah. So we're, we're mixing um, our, our primary qualities of heat from Aries and coldness from Capricorn. Uh-huh. Don't agree. So, so squares are bad. And you can kind of carry that mm. along to everybody. Yeah, you're kind of seeing. Yeah, the, because that doesn't really. <laughs> you're seeing the whole. Weren't we here. using secondary characteristics with one of the good signs? Yeah, we were because yeah, yeah, um, yeah um, like our sextiles, which were supposed to be good, they connect signs. You know, Aries was hot and dry. Mm-hmm. Gemini was hot and wet. Why isn't that a problem? Right. right. Um, and then if you want to get even worse with it, <laughs> um, 
Aries, a hot and dry fire sign, opposes Libra, a hot and wet air sign. But wait, I thought connections between... Air was good. Uh, yeah. So you see yeah. how, that's, mm. uh, how that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so that's Ptolemy's right. system. Uh, I'm feeling skeptical about Ptolemy's we, system now. <laughs> I'm skeptical about Ptolemy. <laughs> Also, there's That's there's no way to like remember that. You have to be like, okay, which which combination is which elemental combinations are good and why? Yeah. All right. And in which ways? Yeah. Um, so the other one is based on the themamundi, and the themamundi is whoa, whoa, whoa. a spell that. Okay. T h e m a t h e m a. Uh huh. Oh, mundi m u n d i. Got it. Got it. Okay, I know what that is. He probably pronouncing it wrong. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, so the Themamundi is a kind of fake birth chart for the universe. Mm-hmm. It was this chart that was made as a, primarily as a teaching tool. Like here's this diagram of the planets and the way it's situated is you have the sign cancer on the ascendant. You have the moon in cancer in 15 degrees. And then the sun is, um, in the sign Leo at 15 degrees, Mercury's in Virgo in 15 degrees, Libra, I'm sorry, Venus is in Libra in the 15 degrees. And this is like, we may need to like put up like diagrams for all well, this the, in the, in the show the notes. Mundi, that's a good um, one. And it's a pretty easy picture because basically every planet is yeah. in its primary domicile. Isn't a sign of domicile, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have Mars in Scorpio in 15 degrees, Jupiter in Sagittarius and um, Saturn in Capricorn. So you have this little, this little system or they, they're kind of like all fanned out from the moon. And it's a nighttime show, um, and, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have to be. Um and for and this is um the Themamundi already has planets situated in such a way to where they will naturally form aspects with the moon in this mm-hmm. instance. So like you have um uh so they'll either do the moon or the sun. And the the way that it basically works down is um so you have all the planets listed in the in the bottom half of the chart from you know cancer to capricorn and that's sort of like oh you only have one planet but every planet we know has two domiciles except for the sun and so the, like except mercury the except for yeah, the sun yeah. and moon yeah except for the sun and moon. so usually when you you'll see like kind of the bare bones themamundi which just has the seven planets but then a lot of astrologers will go ahead and write in this the planets in their other signs so not it's not just um mercury and virgo but they'll also put mercury and gemini and you know venus not just in libra but also in taurus mm-hmm. just to kind of like fill out the chart and show you know not only how the planets are arranged by their domiciles because you know venus rules taurus and libra um, but also to kind of more carefully illustrate the aspect doctrine that's within it um so when you put v- when you put the moon in cancer and you put venus um in taurus well that's two signs apart right so they're sextile okay. one another um but then if you have the sun in leo and venus in libra they're also two signs apart and sextile one okay. another. And so what the Thimamundi does is it creates these mirrored aspect relationships between the signs of the sun and moon and the signs of the other five planets. So if you have Mars in his domicile of Aries, well, that's a square to the moon in Cancer. Right. And then if you have Mars in his domicile of Scorpio, oh, well, that's a square to the sun in Leo. So, and so that repeats with, with, with Jupiter and Capricorn, I'm sorry, Jupiter and Saturn, 
where Jupiter is in a trine aspect to the luminaries, Pisces and Cancer, and then um, through Sagittarius and Leo, and Saturn is opposed, mm-hmm. Aquarius and Leo and Capricorn and Cancer. And so what this does is it creates planetary analogies between the aspects themselves. So it's not that sextiles are good because they're 60 degrees and that's good because they connect signs of the same element. Sextiles are good because they mirror this natural relationship between the signs of the moon and the sun and the signs of Venus, who is the lesser benefic, right. which is a good planet. Okay. So that's where that harmonious energy from sextiles come from. The same thing with squares. They're more difficult, you know, conflicting, aggravating um, aspects because what squares carry within them is this seed almost of the natural relationship between the signs of Mars to the signs of the sun and moon. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And that also, uh, so you have then the uh, opposition also because uh, mm-hmm. uh, Capricorn and Aquarius are opposite uh, Leo and, and Cancer. That makes... Right, but they, because they're mirroring the relationship with Saturn, yeah. the worst. Planet. Yeah. So oppositions are the worst aspect. I mean, we don't really need to, like, come down on Saturn that hard. It's just, it's like, I mean, it's like, a, well. <laughs> it's like a strict cannibalistic parent. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, okay, well, well, I mean, I think that uh, number two, the Thema Mundi, uh, is obviously the right one there, then. That's probably yeah. the right one. But, um, and there's actually like a fun backstory about why Ptolemy kind of, pri- about why Ptolemy tried to do, um, the aspect theory his way instead of doing the Thimimidi. Um, I guess I should explain it instead of just being like, oh, you probably heard about it. Um, <laughs> it was all over Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, all over Twitter. You probably heard about it. But basically, like, um, for Ptolemy, his big thing was trying to, um, make astrology work within like a more scientific, naturalistic mm-hmm. framework. So he was trying to go and explain a lot of astrological theories or ideas or practices through um, the kind of dominant scientific method or philosophy from his time, which is Aristotelianism. So that's why we have this big focus on like qualities and elements, because that's that's Aristotelianism, basically. Um, And so like this kind of like more mythical idea of the Thema Mundi and being the birth chart of the world and having this like connection to explain foundational principles of astrology. That's crazy talk. I guess uh, I understand Ptolemy uh, being that way. You know, I, I have heard a lot of, um, maybe not a lot, but I have heard some astrologers sort of uh, speak negatively about Ptolemy, about, you know, he was just a cataloger. He wasn't a real astrologer, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But um, the Tema Mundi, like one of the things I really like about that one is uh, it has this sort of as above, so below thing where like the initial Mm -hmm. moment of creation or the initial placement of the planets like continues to sort of echo and influence throughout the Mm -hmm. rest of the stuff i i think that i think there's a there's an elegance to it that makes more sense than absolutely the the shoehorn of ptolemy (laughs) the shoehorn of ptolemy he was doing the best he could with what he had but yeah yeah um well that's okay so then so those are the basic five aspects you've Mm -hmm. got you've got sextile and trine in the good column you've got square and opposing in the bad column and then you've got conjunction which isn't really an aspect but it is sort of anyhow Mm -hmm. um okay yeah well there's actually kind of a fun argument to be made sorry to interrupt there's actually kind of a really fun argument to be made that like conjunctions are of the nature of mercury 
because what's like in traditional astrology, Mercury is very blendy. He's very like non-conformist, mm-hmm. you know, just like taking Mercury as like, um, um, like Mercury's big thing is just how he can kind of be on both teams right. at once. And so he's like, Oh, it's Mercury. He's this planet that can kind of do whatever he wants. He's not really on anybody's team, but he can float between them because he's a good planet when he's with good planets and a bad planet when he's with bad planets. So there's this, this very like um, nondescript almost definition for Mercury that kind of gets thrown onto the conjunction as well. I like that. Um, that's not, yeah, but as far as I'm aware, that's not like a real thing. That's like a real historical thing. Nobody's ever like, oh, the conjunctions or the aspects of Mercury. Like I can't quote anybody for that, but that's just like, it's just really interesting to me that everybody else gets an aspect and then the conjunction is kind of left over and then you have Mercury. So on the one hand, it might just be me trying to pair the spares, mm-hmm. but I think I can make a good argument for it. Well, so. I think we can make an argument against <laughs> it too, using, that's using the Greek optical theory, right? I mean, Mercury never gets that far away from the sun. So its sign mm-hmm. is basically the same as like the peripheral part of your vision that you can't really see, that the sun <laughs> couldn't see, right? Yeah, that's true too, because he does have that relationship with both. Yeah. Um, like Gemini and Cancer, they're reversed, you know, they're right next mm-hmm. to each other. And then um, Virgo and Leo. So yeah, absolutely. This like the system is laid out to where you could be like, oh, he doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but let's hear yours. Let's hear your argument for it. Oh, I mean, that was basically oh. it. They both just have like this, this, this like nondescript like blending could be either way based on circumstances, mm-hmm. based on external circumstances. That I think is very is a very interesting similarity. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like that breakdown. I like that connection to the the. Thema Mundi that actually helps it uh, sort of coalesce for me. Um, okay, so then, um, what about triplicities? <laughs> what about triplicities? I mean, they're um, an aspect, aren't they? Or are they sort of not an aspect? I guess they're. Well, a triplicity is just a connection by trine aspect. Yeah, that's that, that makes sense. So it's like you have Aries which is trying Sagittarius, which is trying Leo, which is trying Aries. So like this, you know, big, big triangle. Um, and they're all fire signs. Uh, but it does seem like the connection uh, or the grouping of signs by triplicity mm-hmm. came first. So you think we had triplicities before we started looking at aspects and we had, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cause one of the big thing is like, we don't really know where aspects came from. Oh. Like, we don't know, we don't know at what, like, we kind of know, like, at what stage of the game aspects started to become involved in astrology, because, like, originally, astrology, you know, Babylonian astrology, that was natal astrology, mm-hmm. was just a priest would go and look up your birth date and write down the planets and what signs they were in. And that was your astrology chart. We didn't have houses. We didn't have aspects. We didn't even really have the concepts of, like, dignity and ability originally. It wasn't until we get into, um, you know, Hellenistic astrology itself, um, you know, around um, the first century that we start to see a lot of the concepts like the birth of horoscopic astrology, where we really see an astrology that mimics what we do nowadays, or maybe not mimics, but like you see the, an astrologer nowadays would understand or know what was going on back then. Like, and, and even vice versa, like an astrologer from the past could see one of the charts that we work with contemporarily be like, Oh yeah, the 12 houses, the signs, the aspects, I get this. They might be confused by like people who include Uranus, Neptune and Pluto. Like what are those? But, um, otherwise like they, they'd have a pretty solid understanding of what we're doing. So at some point aspects enter the game and we don't really know where, um, 
but we know at, at within the like as far back as we can tell um we have a a first century author named Antiochus of Athens who wrote a book that had a lot of like the basic fundamental definitions of astrological techniques or principles or ideas in um his work the introduction or the thesaurus the bad news is we don't have that work now mm. it's lost huh like it's gone and all we really have are other authors referencing it and we have like three, we have we have like three summaries of mm-hmm. the text but nothing like substantive and this is what's been a that this is what like a big problem was like for like project hindsight um like chris brennan Dimitri george ben dykes those individuals as they were you know translating and working and trying to recreate this you know trying to like recreate and try to explain hellenistic astrology was that this book that everybody else used basically as like i don't have to tell you what aspects are go read antiochus <laughs> so that was a, that's a big hurdle that that those individuals dealt with um so it really seems like so i say all that to say we don't know where aspects came from as far back as we can tell antiochus of athens in the first century kind of wrote the book that explained everything uh-huh. and so whatever source he used that we obviously don't know because his work isn't here anymore may have been the originator of the introduction of aspects into astrology well so one of the things that i think is really interesting about aspects is that um it's probably also tied into the history of uh, our observational tools right because you know we get we get really hung up on like these very small you know like like the orbs of aspects these days which is sort of like mm-hmm. the the margin of error or whatever that you consider an aspect valid um but we sure. didn't have really accurate observational tools like we couldn't necessarily get down to one arc degree of measurement or anything lower than that up until probably 1600 or the late 1500s. So it's kind of fascinating that um, if you think about it, like perhaps the Babylonians never even thought of. Oh, they were totally wrong about placements all the time. (laughs) Sure. sure. I mean, imagine trying to keep track of Mercury when you can only, when you can't even view it all the time, you know, I mean, that's gotta be tough. Um, yeah, so it could be that aspects didn't start to develop until we started to deal with um, with that type of math, you know, radial measurement and degrees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, potentially, but the Babylonians are the ones who invented the 360-degree circle. Yeah. So they laid our foundation, even for aspects, right. in a way, like, in a really, like, fundamental way, way back okay. then. But we know that they didn't talk about the planets being... right that way like they, they didn't talk about the plants being in geometric relationships even with that like foundational geometric mm-hmm. decision <laughs> basically uh, like that didn't come until the greeks so so the so then the greek optical theory was sort of possibly laid over the aspects before they were developed or might have even been the inspiration for the develop of the aspect idea the aspect concept yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I would need to do a little bit of research to see kind of who, like who formed when and where, um, in a sense of who came first or how it might work. But I guess like, I guess the Greek optical theory would have had to come first. Um, but yeah. Um, and so the, the Greek optical theories, there are basically two of them and it's just about, it's basically trying to answer the question of like, how can people mm-hmm. see like how functionally does the eye work? And 
there were two ideas. So the first one was the intermission theory. And this was the idea that light entered the eye, like pictures entered the eye and were formed, you know, that way. Like, like there was like a, an entry of, of light or of rays or something into the eye. And it was this, 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 this word rays is really important. It's a, it's a word that pops up a lot um, in, in astrology and magic rays are big they're a big deal um and their rays are basically just like a shorthand word for um a uh an influence Mm -hmm. of some kind so we have our light rays which are an influence of light our planetary or celestial rays which are a, a celestial planetary influence and kind of like in a very direct manner like saturn sends his rays down and saturn things happen mm-hmm. so it's kind of kind of that idea um so the intermission theory of greek optical theory is that light the rays of light enter the eye and you know pictures form that way then we have the extra mission theory which is kind of the opposite uh to where like the eyes work like flashlights almost right. and like send out rays which bounce off of things and come back and that's how we that's how we view things um and so obviously the intermission theory is the one that kind of won out in the end, uh, the one that was like proven to be mm-hmm. true. Um, but they, they both kind of have interesting implications for how, um, how things work or not necessarily how things work, but <laughs> how things work um, for how, for how different things in astrology work or like how different um, philosophical things work. But a lot of them are actually based off of the extra mission theory um, to an extent I guess. Well, because... Because objects... Well, objects can cast rays, yeah. too. And this is where, basically, like, talismanic magic comes into comes into focus, or, like, it how it works. Um, just the idea that, like, you make a talisman at a specific time, uh, and by its creation ritual, it, like, soaks in this very specific planetary configuration, but then all throughout its lifespan, this object is emitting rays from that out over time it's so it's like you have like this, it picks up uh, uh the like a radiation signature from the aspect that it then like mirrors back mm-hmm. over time like, yeah okay it's like slowly emits back out and so things that come in contact with the rays are affected right. by it you know, they in some way um and so this also like extended out to like you know the the renaissance where people were painting um like magical frescoes and things like that Mm -hmm. to um to intimidate and dominate their foes in their households with their magnificent rays of force and planetary magic (laughs) well i mean it worked so but that's uh, yeah it worked um but that's kind of the basic idea um is that or maybe not the basic idea but that's kind of how the the different theories of greek optics kind of influenced astrology um, because you have these divine eyes that are the planets and they send out rays of their own influences, you know, to one another, mm-hmm. they have to interact with one another through the aspects, through the geometrical relationships that planets have with one another, but also they interact with the world below through their, you know, through their causes, through what they're doing, through what they're changing, um, whether that's a direct influence down from like Saturn to the world or somehow more indirect, you know, the planets messing with the elements and things changing that way. Um, so it's this very, it's this much more like hands-on almost method of um, uh, astrological mechanics. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so I, I was, I've been thinking about like this, this extra mission theory and the way that the aspects would then affect people because it wouldn't just necessarily, it would be almost like the angles that the planets had to us where they would create mm-hmm. different types of interference or different types of, well, I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. <laughs> interference. Interference. Um, yes. That's, uh, that's interesting. So, so the extra mission theory was something that Plato liked, I believe. I think he wrote about that in yeah. Timaeus, if I remember. Correctly. Yeah, a lot of people really liked yeah. it. Um, and it's almost kind of sad that it didn't end up being true. <laughs> it would be a confusing world if you stopped looking at something yeah. and it was invisible. It just yeah. disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Poof. Um, Although I guess there's always a, an omniscient uh, extra emitter, huh? That's watching everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> that got existential. <laughs> <laughs> or the uh the omni extremitter, I guess we could call it. <laughs> but yeah, so that but that it was really that concept of the of rays being emitted by planets mm-hmm. and how they interact with one another. You know, what does it mean when one planet's rays hit another planet? Um, and then what does it mean when, you know, the material of that planet in the real world interacts with another one? Isn't that, isn't that very similar to, you know, planets being an aspect of one another? How does that work mm-hmm. out? Blah, blah, blah. And then it's just magic all the way down. Yeah. Then, so that means that with like an astrological talisman, you're sort of looking at, so the, the trick is to figure out the way to, uh, absorb those particular rays at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But only some of them, you know, because I mean, like, it's rare that you yeah. have an election that is universally good, and you might want a talisman that's yeah. going to focus on the beneficial rays of one particular mm-hmm. configuration while ignoring other parts of it. Yeah, that's where part of it is. That's where the electional aspect is going to come from. It being able to to stick planets into places where their rays aren't going to get in the way. Kind of what we mm-hmm. talked about. Um, earlier on, you know, putting them in the twelfth house, which is averse to the ascendant, the sixth house, which is averse to the ascendant, just trying to find some way to get them out of the mm-hmm. way um, to where they can't directly interfere. Or if you're not able to, this is where your choice of material comes more into play, because it's not just that everything in the world is like a neutral thing, but everything in the world. So, like, not everything in the world is neutral in that it's equally um, open to the like the rays or influences of every planet. Everything in the world already comes into existence being more on somebody's side than everything right. else. Okay. Yeah. And this is where you get into like the symptomatic theory, like sympathetic magic. Um, you know, like if you want to make a talisman for Jupiter, but you've got like this pesky Mars thing happening, how do I focus in on that? Well, on the one hand, you know, you can elect your chart to get Mars as far out of the way as possible. On the other hand, just make sure you don't include Mars material mm-hmm. because then it's not going to be as open to accepting Mars's influences because they're not on the same team initially yeah oh that's a that's an interesting insight i like that um yeah that's so when we last talked back on uh my alchemical bromance we talked about uh, i was telling you like you know or i was asking you know is there some sort of handy uh election checklist and you were like oh no 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 don't Mm -hmm. use a checklist and i was like (laughs) for a long time i was like you know what i disagree i think you can use a checklist so i tried to make one and i think that most that mainly even better than a checklist would be a pro and con list for an election 
So, yeah, and so you know, too. some of what you're saying, like, you know, if, if the, if your list of cons is too big, find ways to get some of them out of the way, like adjust your charts so that, or adjust your timing so that, you know, you're, you're, you're interfering. I'm not, well, okay. So I'll, I'll concede a little bit. I'm not super against the checklist because I'm actually a little embarrassed that you kind of like called me out that way because a lot of times when I'm a lot of times in classes or like in my electional videos or where I'm talking about talismans, I actually do. I like, I'll say check boxes uh-huh. um, just like, as a, <laughs> so I'll be like, Oh, this checks this box and this checks this box. Cause there are, you know, there are like fundamental things that you're looking for that you could oh, check yeah. off. And I mean, and you know, we were, we were talking right. about a Picatrix election earlier and you know, it totally says like, here's a shopping list of the things you need, yeah. but it, it's, you know, even those little things are never complete because there's also things that you absolutely do not want to have. So you still yeah. have kind of a pro yeah. and a con list where you're. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You're still kind of like weighing that. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, I got all my boxes checked, but oh, this box means I have to have a square of Mars yeah. involved. Is that something I really want to get myself involved in? Yes or no? Sometimes you right. will because desperation is terrible. <laughs> and sometimes you won't be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it always makes it so like uh, the first time I did any sort of planetary magic was probably back in like maybe 2004 or something. But it was before the oh, well, wow. it was before astrology got popular. So <laughs> it was before astrology. Well, I mean, astrology was there, but I didn't know. I didn't know about electional astrology back then. Um, but uh, I made like Venus talismans. I, you know what? I probably if I had really paid attention to Agrippa, I probably would have. No, it's a. It was such a big book. Um, but uh, I remember making like a Venus talisman or, or maybe a Jupiter talisman or something and just being like so disappointed. I was like, this is the most useless. Oh, no. I spent so much time working in this and it's useless. Oh, uh, no. But it's probably because I had no idea about elections. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. It is. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> definitely important. And, you know, I've had far more success in modern times, you know, paying attention to elections. <laughs> Contemporary yeah. times. Um, so but yeah. tell me what's your process of finding an election do you just sort of make yourself a giant pot of coffee and sit down with an astrology program and like tick through the days and uh it's my alarm clock or my my clock it's um <laughs> like like it's gonna do this right. um i actually got it for a christmas present for my uh-huh. husband and so he stuck it in your office and, uh, <laughs> it's like it's like in the in the room oh. back there, but yes, it's very, very audible from That's here. That's cool. <laughs> so I low-key kind of hate it <laughs> because it sounds like a Christmas thing. Like, it sounds like a weirdly electronic Christmas thing, and I thought it was going to be like a real, like, grandfather clock, mm-hmm. you know? Like, with the... Yeah, but yeah, I got this. Oh, so. well, you know. Here I am now. <laughs> okay, so how now. do you find elections? Because you, you do, you're doing an, uh, an election um, video, what is it, once a month right now? Um, I try to do it. It's supposed to be every, it's supposed to be um, released on the new moon and the full oh, okay. moon. Yeah. And I was doing it really well for a while. And then like real life stuff blew up and I couldn't like bring myself to to do it. So now I'm trying to get back on the bandwagon mm-hmm. with it. But yeah, it's supposed to be a full moon and, and a new moon release. So I try to do two, you know, roughly like one about every two weeks. Um, and that actually makes it a little bit easier for me because the period of time is much right. smaller. Like I can just kind of go through and, and kind of do my thing. Um, in much smaller periods of time um, to where to me, it's much more digestible. Uh, But for that, I really focus on um, I focus a lot more on lunar mansion talismans because Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're more, they're easier to get Um, all it really like the bare bones is like get the moon in the mansion 
and then make sure she's aspecting the right planet. So aspects are very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, planetary aspects are very important in electional uh, or in astrological magic as well. Because if I'm trying to do like a, if I'm trying to find a mansion or an election for like the third mansion of the moon for the acquisition of all good things, you want the moon's aspect to mimic that in mm-hmm. some way. So you don't want a square to Mars because squares are difficult and Mars is difficult. And there's not like, there's not good things that can come out of that, but like trines to Venus, sextiles to Jupiter, conjunctions to Jupiter. Like those are more within the spirit mm-hmm. of what you're looking for. Um, so that's that one is primarily I'm looking for the moon in the mansion, applying to a good planet, uh, Mars and Saturn out mm-hmm. of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, that's, it's pretty simple. Um, but even though it's simple, doesn't mean it's easy to find. That's true. Because all kinds of things happen to planets. The moon will be in a mansion and she'll be applying to a retrograde planet, which is a no. She'll be applying to a combust planet, which is a no. Mm-hmm. She'll be applying to Mars, which is almost always a no. Like Unless there's, so there's always something. Or something I mean. Unless you, and like there, but there are some mansions where like applications to Mars yeah. are fine. Like that's fine. But it's just like the right one at the mm-hmm. right time. <laughs> and that's the hard part. Um, and then, so I try, I primarily, a lot of my election, a lot of the, the magical elections I share end up being Lunar Mansion in nature, just because they're a little bit easier to get. Um, and then I'll do fixed star talismans, which are also a little bit easier to get. Um, provided that the, the big problem with the fixed star mansions, or the fixed star mansions, whew, the fixed star talismans, is that you have to get the star like on the midheaven or the ascendant with the moon applying mm-hmm. to it. And a lot of times what will happen is it's very like location based fixed star talismans yeah. are. Um, because like for me here in Texas, if I'm electing for, you know, whatever star, let's say I'll go for whatever reason, because the first one that came into my head, well, I'll go is at 24 degrees mm-hmm. Taurus. But if by the time 24 degrees Taurus gets to the ascendant that day and the moon's at 25 degrees, I've missed it. Okay. You need a really tight conjunction. But- well, I just need it to not be separating. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, and this is another thing about aspect theory that we probably oh, should yeah. have mentioned. Applying and separating. I totally forgot. Yeah. Right. yeah. 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 So you'll have aspects that are applying or getting closer to one another. So like my my example with the with the Algol talisman thing, like if Algol is at 24 degrees, then I want the moon to be, you know, 20 degrees Taurus, 21, 22, that getting closer mm-hmm. The moving more forward, that's the applying. But if the moon's at 25 degrees, then she's she's moving away from right. that point. So she's separating out from that. Like she's leaving that um, that influence behind. Um, and you don't want that. You definitely want that that cum that that accumulation, that, that building up mm-hmm. to. So and that's pretty much the same for any any kind of talismanic thing. Like it's always the applying aspect that you want. You want it to build up to something unless you're trying to banish something in which I guess paying attention to separating aspects could be useful, but I would still focus on that coming up next. Mm -hmm. Like what's happening next? What am I getting into next? Um, So that's a whole nother. How do you, uh, how do you keep track of where all the fixed stars are? Do you have software for that? Or do you just, Um, I just keep track of 15. Okay. I just, I only have the 15, 15, the 15 behind Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. Well, that's a lot of interesting information. I, I think, um, maybe we should, uh, we could probably wrap up the episode right here. I think we've been talking for about 45 minutes and everybody's brains are going to be so full that they're probably going to turn it off right around. Right now. <laughs> um, so why don't you tell people about where they can find you on the internet? Okay. 
Um, so I'm pretty active on Twitter if you want to hear my random thoughts about things. And every now and again, I post astrological content if I get upset enough by somebody posting bad astrological content. That's uh, my, my go to. Uh, yeah. Ryan Butler Flame War. <laughs> yeah, no, not necessarily that. It's more like the good old choleric motivation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, see somebody else do it bad. So it's like, okay, uh, I got this, guys. Um, so I'm really active on Twitter um, and then the website, um, medievalastrologyguide.com. Um, and I'm trying to do a lot more on YouTube than I was before. Um, one of the big things that I've, kind of what we've been talking about is the um, the the magical elections videos, mm-hmm. trying to get those out better on the new and full moons. And part of that is just because I want people to, I know that like electing charts is a skill mm-hmm. that takes practice mm-hmm. and um, that's often a lot of people's like, that's where people mess up. They elect a bad chart or that's where they have like bad experiences with things or just kind of like get caught up on like the minutia of things that aren't necessarily that important, but they read that it was important in one specific place somewhere online or in a book. And it's like, Oh, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, because I think a lot of times newcomers especially get very caught up on, um, trying to make charts perfect. Right. And if you've spent any amount of time trying to elect, you know, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to get a perfect yeah. one. And if you wait for a perfect one, you're never going to practice. And it's also easy um, to, um, like if you absorb too many sources, you know, you'll, you'll start to mm-hmm. find conflicting stuff and it, it just throws you into uh electional paralysis, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so that's really why I wanted to do, <clears throat> the that series was to give people like okay here are some elections coming up this is what you can use them for if you need this knock yourself out um but even then like the charts that i share not all of them are really good and i try to be like very transparent about Mm -hmm. that like hey this is happening it's a a decent time but there's this other thing to make your own like make your own decision about whether or not you want to go forward with it um and then here's you know information of what you need to do and how to do it um to make it so if you're interested in in getting started um you know in in planetary like talismans or even petitions and things like that you know go check out that series um i'm looking forward to see how that goes on because i don't also because also i don't just it's basically into two parts mm-hmm. um in those videos the first part is usually i will talk about something related to astrological elections um as kind of like uh this is my opinion on this or like a primer about something like this last one that took place you know during a lunar eclipse so i talked about eclipse things mm-hmm. um just kind of briefly and then the second half is more about okay here are the charts that we're talking about and what we can do with them um so even if it's um so like even you know older episodes of it to where like those elections have already passed and we can't use them um like still that first part might have some information um in it that you know a viewer may not have been familiar with and to go from there well yeah and also like this is a this is a rough year for elections it Um, is it's not yeah there's a there's a ton of nasty uh, space weather happening so so seeing your (laughs) examples is really helpful because Mm -hmm. um especially for beginners you know looking at you know when they're they're gonna look at a chart and they're gonna be like oh shit everything is everything is in the wrong (laughs) spot right now (laughs) Uh, but seeing ways to mitigate those problems or Mm -hmm. Or how you can, you know, still get creative with elections, I think is incredibly helpful. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And my goal is just like to, to like, if, if people see me do it enough, they'll know what to do and they don't need me right. anymore and they can go and do their own stuff. And that's totally fine. Like I want mm-hmm. that. Like, but like, you just have to watch somebody do it enough. And I even like, I even make a thing every now and again of showing like a bad mm-hmm. one 
or like an almost yeah like an almost election like in my last episode i have like an almost sun talisman election where i'm just like hey this would be really good except for this thing involved like except for this one thing and part of me does that because um Part of me does it because I feel bad when I only have like one or two elections to share within a time period because, you know, I don't have any control, yeah. obviously, over where the planets are and what is and isn't a good, you know, because sometimes you only get one or two. Like this last one that I did for this two week for the for the Capricorn full moon to the Leo new moon, it's only two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, congratulations, you get two. Um, and so I wanted to do a little bit more. So I do it for that kind of to give a little like just to share a little bit more information um to kind of make the video a little bit longer um but also because i want to train people on what to look for if they go out and buy something right that's astral that's magical Mm -hmm. um because this is one thing that's happening a lot like me watching it as an astrologer is that like astrology in general and astrological magic are like increasing in popularity and there are lots of people especially with younger people there are lots of people making things and you know, it's just really important for me to be able to give information to people who are maybe not wanting to practice Mm -hmm. because it's, it's an investment to practice. Like it's an investment of time of energy of resources and maybe not everybody's just open to it. Um, But even to consumers who just want to, you know, buy a piece because they feel drawn to it or, you know, for whatever reason, I want to give them tools to be like, okay, this is a piece that I really like. What does the election look Mm -hmm. like? And is this election something that I want to get myself involved in, basically? It's like astrological consumer reports. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm often often really surprised by some of the... um, election charts that i see for um materials for like mm-hmm. for like materials that are on Me sale too. i'm always just like oh like oh so this is a mercury ring but mercury is cadent <laughs> why <laughs> like things like that like things that are very obvious to me mm-hmm. uh, because i've been doing it for so long but people who are new to it maybe don't know if i like as if i can just like mention like make the planet angular as many times as mm-hmm. necessary until somebody's like oh mercury's not angular in this chart maybe i should wait until something maybe i should wait to find something else um so that's another fun thing because like you can get really into you know the rules of the charts and like how you're supposed to make them but there's a really good chance that you're always going to overlook mm-hmm. something Especially when it comes to like planetary aspects, it's really easy to not notice oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a planet being like just to just to get really tunnel visioned on a thing. And so just like the 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 take a step back, you know, slow down, you know, look through it more thoroughly. Um, because that, you know, the the Saturn square you didn't notice is gonna manifest in some way. <laughs> like it's gonna be there. Um and it's just you have to make that decision of I'll do it even if the Saturn square is there or I can wait. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I, I love the idea of having sort of like the example of negative elections or bad elections where you could be like, you know, this one won't work because of this, but you know, you go forward or maybe not just like, maybe not just like won't work, but like, isn't yeah. as good, not as poor, not worth spending $400 oh, yeah, on yeah. like that kind of thing. Like, um, you know, maybe don't make a, you know, maybe don't make a, a gold sun ring, but, you know, maybe make 
you know, the, the oil or the ointment of the sun we were mm-hmm. talking about, um, before we started this, you know, like there, there are other options for a lot of these elections that you can mm-hmm. use that aren't as we'll say permanent. Right, right. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, absolutely. oils are good ones. Cause you know, they can run out or you can, yeah. or you can get rid of them. <laughs> you can pour it yeah. down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> Use it for cooking breakfast. <laughs> Maybe. <There you> go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Ryan. It's been really excellent having you on and, um, I'll make sure that all of your links go in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.